I think that abandonment or loss at a young age, you know, yeah. father and son is, I don't, I said this when it happened, it felt like, you know, there was a crack in the universe and mm-hmm. only other people who had lost a parent would understand. Right. Because all of a sudden I felt like you understand and yep. that you just have to say your experience. And I go, oh, you get that, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's guided. I followed, you know, trying to live up to him and followed into film, which yep. was great. But then I found my own path. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, and I am so excited today to have my incredible friend, John West, with us. Hey, John. Hi, how are you, Dr. Flowers? I'm so happy to be here. We don't get to see each other enough, and this is it's wonderful to spend some time with you. We morning. don't. We collaborate all the time. It's amazing. You're in Florida and all over the country, and I'm in Houston and travel all over the country, and, and our paths will cross, and we hug each other. But you know what? That's the best kind of friend, right, is when you don't have to get on the phone and say, hello, every day, how are you? But when you see each other, it's like, oh, I feel like I saw you yesterday. No time has passed. I yeah, know. Absolutely. And and I'm going to be remiss if I don't make another comment about those glasses. Those are phenomenal <laughs> glasses. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go to the progressives, too. Yeah, it's a sign that I'm either maturing or getting older. I fought it for a long time. and But my wife thinks that I, I look distinguished so or smarter. You what you absolutely that. do. Um, How is Audra? She is wonderful. She just had a, we just had our son who was born on Halloween of last year. And so yeah. he's almost four months old. And it's an amazing thing to kind of step into fatherhood and have all these new responsibilities. And, and I went around our town and joined the board of the education department wow. and we're treating all the firemen in town and reaching out to the police force to treat them because I want to make sure that <laughs> if he's anything like me, that when he's a teenager, he's got a few get out of jail free cards. So. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> right. Let's get started early and get on those boards. Okay. It's amazing how your life changes when you become a parent, right? What would you say the biggest change in your life has been since October? I would say a shift in perspective. My life has been sort of focused on the outside world and, you know, working as that, you know, 24 hours a day, we're working with other clients and their needs and their families. And all of a sudden in one day, that focus shifted to this little human being. And I think I was ready for the long nights and the, (laughs) and I don't know, sort of prepared for it. I didn't think I would be, but uh, it's a shift in perspective. Well, you know, from the outside world and everybody to one, one, yeah. one little baby. Well, so. huge congratulations to both you and Audra. I know that you guys are already amazing parents and you're going to raise an amazing human being. So I can't wait to actually, cannot believe I haven't met him yet, but hopefully soon. 
we're going to, we'll travel with him and set it up hopefully in the next few months. <laughs> exactly. I want to read something just real quick. You made some show comments before today. John West, of course, of Sober Companions and so many other things that we'll talk about. But you said, our job is to make space, listen, and hear those suffering from substance and mental health conditions that have kept them stuck. Our personal experience of recovery and expertise and connecting those in need with the best and brightest is our mission. It's a good place to be in in these current times of stress, overwhelming anxiety in the world. The future is brighter when we can listen, connect, and help. Can you expand on that just a little bit? Absolutely. I was, wow, that, I can't believe I said that. But, yeah. Wow, John, that was great. Also, I actually, this morning, I was thinking about that, you know, thinking about how we were going to be speaking this morning and thinking about what you do and our experience. And I think one of the loneliest places to be is to be suffering in pain and not have somebody who understands, you know, to reach out, whatever that pain is, mental health physical pain, addiction, loss, depression. And so, you know, as somebody, you know, I've gone through, you know, recovery from different things throughout my life. So I'm able to kind of, you know, share from my experience how I got out of a difficult situation. And, but I think our jobs are to be as informed and good at what we do, excellent at what we do and get the information and care to people who are cut off, you know, their, you know, trauma or addiction or mental health, shut them off from the outside world. And it's a very lonely, scary place. And if we can make that really inviting and comfortable and use all our skills of communication and, you know, humor and, you know, expertise, you know, in the medical area to bring them out of that shell and, you know, serve as a bridge to healing. I think that's, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, you know, work in film and movie producer and mm-hmm. all these things. And this career sort of came to me through a series of different, uh, a long path, yep. but I'm very clear about it now, which is however we can break down those barriers to get help to people. And, you know, the clientele that you work with mm-hmm. and uh, that we work with are, there are these extra barriers. They are. Not everybody understands, you know, complex medical conditions and, you know, massive wealth and, yep family dynamics and all these things. And our job is to be excellent at getting to the client and, and having them trust and connect and, and be able to share with us. So finding a, a way to be there as a safe space. Absolutely. Um, you know, I can't tell you how important it's been at J Flowers Health Institute to really collaborate with you over the last few years as much as we do in working with companions and what those companions bring as far as stability to the clients that fly in from really all over the world into Houston and stay with us anywhere from two weeks to a year at a time. I think we've worked with some of you guys or your companions for over a year with the same client. And they truly become just a foundation of stability in their life. How do you, when you're interviewing companions and when you're talking to people and people call you all the time and say, Hey, John, can I work with you and be a companion? What do you look for in the qualities of someone wanting? Because not everyone can be a companion. It's a tough, I cannot, (laughs) I truly do not think I could be a companion. I don't know about you, but it's a tough job. It takes a very special kind of person. (laughs) I did it for a long time. And then I got got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore Mm -hmm. because of it was a point in my life where I could do it, you know, 18 months in a row and travel the world. And then it switched where I wouldn't be as good as, you know, somebody who, you know, we've had for, you know, who's been training for a year. You know, I, I don't necessarily have that in me anymore. It's a very specific 
piece. So the first thing to look out for would be, you know, everybody reads articles about it being the rock and roll lifestyle and the money and stuff like that. And so that would be the first thing that you kind of, it's a red flag when people start talking about that. Yeah. You know, the second is, you know, I want this to be my, you know, I just want to help people and, you know, this is my recovery and it's a very different thing from recovery. So that would actually be a red flag too. I, you know, helping people is absolutely the motivation, but this is separate from, you know, somebody who's in recovery, you know, because there's, it's a professional paid position. So it's somebody who's very good at keeping, listening to the clinical team, you know, and that's the most difficult point is that, you know, companions are basically, they are an arm of the clinical team. That's right. They are, you know, they, they have to take direction and they have to, you know, they can't be questioning the clinical team. They're, you know, an extension of the clinical team for the other 20 hours of the day. Right. And, That's what um, I was going to say is that they actually <laughs> spend far much more time with individuals than the clinical team. It's so important for them and all of your companions clearly have been trained well by you and your team, but they listen, they watch for nuances and they pass that information along to the clinical team. And that really helps us have a great understanding, a better, more clear understanding of that individual when they're not in treatment. Absolutely. I would say that um, working as an arm and not trying to, you know, somebody who comes and wants to be a, you know, a companion and say they want to treat people. It it is, you know, there's all these red flags. And over the years, there's been so many people. And from, you know, I know I, from my own experience, the mistakes I made and the things I learned. And so it's somebody who is really great at being, as you say, observant Mm -hmm. and passing the right information to the clinical team. So then they can work with that. Mm -hmm. And you know, they see things that, you know, you won't see in the office, right. you know, when you're doing a two hour session or, yeah. you know, an assessment. And so it's, is, you know, is this information, we got to make sure we're, we're protecting the client's, you know, privacy, but is this something that rises to the level of this will help them if it's shared with the clinical team and it can be worked on. Right. And so it's looking for themes, you know, things that pop up that are, you know, your gut, you know, like this doesn't seem right. Or the family seems to be overly, you know, the client's doing well, but what's, why do I have 37 calls from the mother today? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, I have to feed this information. It's, I can't make it a judge. I can't judge that, but I can feed that information to your team and have that dealt with. So the client is sort of given the space to heal, right? It's sort of an intangible, but it's, and very quickly you can see, you know, you know, you can see quickly if somebody's good or, or not, they'll sort of be flushed out in a couple of weeks. So, (laughs) yeah, I was going to say, so you and I have not talked about this beforehand. So I think you and I obviously will share the same philosophy on this, but someone goes to guest house and they go through treatment and they're there for three months or six months, or they're at Jay Flowers Health Institute or anywhere else in the country in amazing programs. And they get out of treatment and they're still in this pink cloud phase. And they're like, John, I want to be a companion. I'm available tomorrow. What's your answer? I would say here are some other companies that you could work with to do some transports, maybe like yeah. a half a day transport or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It takes a long time because I've been, you know, I've had situations which, you know, reputation is everything. So yeah. like one person doing something that's off-putting or, you know, yeah. can really take down you know, years of great stuff. So in general, I like to kind of have somebody jump through hoops with another company. Right, <laughs> Like go, go work, you know, and then, you know, start with maybe transports or something like that and train somebody for a little while. 
and then ease them in to situations. It's not an exact science because the calls are, are so sort of immediate, right. but I think it takes, I would say, at least five years of sobriety if you're coming yeah. from recovery. And we're watching when we have a, you know, a client, we ask the, the clients how it was, you know, sure. and we're constantly interviewing almost to the point, it takes me a long time to kind of trust somebody. You know? Likewise. And, yep. Right. Yeah, well, exactly. And you guys are impeccable at what you do and you have an amazing training program and you put the right people. It's an art. It really is. It's an art and almost a science together and putting the right companion with the right client. And you guys do an amazing job with it. Let's talk just a minute about, obviously, I want to talk about you and Judy and the guest house and Guest House Ocala, which is one of my favorite programs in the United States. It's amazing. And what you've done and the growth that you've experienced, huge congratulations on that. Tell everybody a little bit about your experience at Guest House and what's going on today. Well, it's. I feel like we're from similar classes. We all kind of sat down and we're opening our programs at a yeah. similar time. And yeah. I think we were in San Diego talking yeah. about like, which are you going to build the website with? And, and now, you know, there's this yeah. great success and kind mm-hmm. of it's amazing. So the idea, and I went to the refuge in 2004. Judy was the head of the refuge. It was a treatment center. I went through that program, yep. went back out into the world and started working in film and, or back in film. And that led to, you know, I, I became a, I went to some trainings, became a sober companion and interventionist. And I was working sort of with this client where he had been to treatment and they had violated his privacy a couple of times. And he had a schedule to do that hundreds of people were basically being employed. Mm -hmm. And if he went off the treatment or went off course for the next 18 months, there was going to be a lot of people that would have lost their jobs. And so we set up a team that sort of traveled with him, you know, chef, a beautiful environment, therapist, spiritual advisor, companion, Mm -hmm. you know, his uh, physical health was taken care of by this very talented person. And while I was doing that job, I was also working with Judy and we had been working with different families and we had this idea where, you know, we'd been tracing all over the world, you know, setting up very similar to what you do in one place. You're trying to do that in different countries. And she said, we have to do this in one place because of the group dynamic, Hmm. you know, the idea that, you know, between nine and 18 people, you work a lot better because if somebody else is sharing your, your guard is down and you're actually doing work, Absolutely. listening yeah. to them. And so we went and found this property and started off with 16 beds. We're now up to 35. And it's, it, but the idea came from when I was traveling with this client, very similar to what you've done. And it was, how do we make an environment where we, we bring those barriers down? You know, the beds are beautiful. The food is wonderful. Yeah. You're doing all this really difficult emotional work. How do we make it a beautiful place where you feel supported by the staff and you can let go and let down. And then COVID hit, and we took that philosophy to COVID. We're basically saying, okay, we're gonna have this safe 50 acre environment, and we're not gonna let that in the door. (laughs) So we set up a protocol of quarantine and things like that. And we haven't had a a client get sick since the beginning of the pandemic, but it's just one piece of how do we make this a safe space? That's kind of the, you know, we do a lot of we do all the things, you know, all the, sure. <laughs> the yeah. things. And, but at the heart of it, my, what I wanted was 
sort of selfishly, if I relapse, where would I go? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I went back to treatment. I want something where the, you know, the food's good. The, the beds are nice. The, yeah. you know, the clinical sure. team is not shaming. Yeah. They're supportive and they are really looking and they're the best, you know, right. they're, they're the best at what they do. Yeah. You know, um, there's a philosophy. There's some people that have a philosophy of, you know what? They don't need the best blankets and the best beds and the best property and the best this and the best that. And, you know, I disagree with that. I really believe that if you have a strong clinical team in place, like we have, like guest house has, you have Judy crane, you have the rest of the team at, at guest house. It's beyond reproach and they do amazing clinical work. And when you leave an environment of comfort and you go to treatment, you want to be in comfort and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being comfort and cared for and loved and taken care of in, in a holistic way while you're doing good, hardcore recovery work. And so I applaud what you guys are doing and you're doing amazing work at Guest House. So tell Judy I said hello as well. I definitely will. I think we're, our two programs are very simpatico. And, yeah. you know, like I think very the philosophies are the same. The work is the same. That idea that if you're you're going someplace to really do this work and it's difficult to go through emotional, you know, yeah. turmoil. I was in treatment with a, a green beret. He said, you know, jumped out of airplanes and been on the battlefield and this work is, <laughs> this yeah. work is scarier yeah. and harder. Exactly. And he wanted to be comfortable and, you know, and yeah. supportive. And, you know, I really, I'm proud to say, I believe in that rather than, I am you know, too. Sort of like, oh no, no, this, you know, because there is sort of a stigma to like, oh, yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah, no, no. I think that you and Audra and Judy are an amazing team, and I love just following and watching you guys grow and the things, the great work that you're doing. You know, you and I also share something else, and that is, is that we both lost our fathers, and it was pretty difficult on both of us. It still is as adult men. I miss my dad tremendously. He died when I was ten years old in front of me and had a heart attack in front of me at the dinner table. You lost your dad. Talk a little bit about your dad and your experience and growing up with him and, you know, tell the world who he is and who he was and then kind of what you've gone through since losing your dad and how you've made it through that trauma. It's interesting. I still remember you and I had a dinner in Florida and we had talked about this. Yeah. Your history and, and family history is, is so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, very cool. So my dad was an actor. His name was JT Walsh. He was a character actor. He started a little bit later in life. And so I grew up around, you know, Broadway and, and later on movie sets. And it was sort of a, I was about six or seven years old when he kind of started and yeah. he started on Broadway. And so I didn't know anything different. I just thought, oh, our life is changing. We're, you know, we're meeting all these famous people and, you know, it, it's a different experience. Yeah. And I would tell my friends in school and things like that. And then at 23, I was living with him in California and I was working in film and he died suddenly. And we were sort of in a argument about my, he was in recovery at the time. And I was, you know, at 23, you know, drinking and using, and we were arguing about that basically yeah. in a general way. And sure. I felt that, you know, I had messed up because I didn't have the, I, I had an unfinished phone call with him basically yeah, yeah. where we weren't able to end that argument or that fight about the way my life was going and my mm -hmm. relationship with him. And, and so for the next nine years that really guided, you know, my addiction and I took on all this guilt and then doing trauma work, I kind of saw that that's not, you know, that's not, he had his own path. Yep. I had mine. And recently having a son, you know, I named him Liam James Walsh West. So yep. I gave him my father's name. And the relationship now is this wonderful kind of memory. And also realizing having a son 
Yeah. The difficulties or the things that I used to be upset with him about, you know, father, father mm-hmm. and son, just in three months going, oh my goodness, this it makes so much more sense now. Yeah. You know, the love I have for this child, but also like, am I able to protect him? Am I going to be a good father? Am I, you know, all the different questions you have and then having a career and it's put it really into perspective. But I think that abandonment or loss at a young age, you know, yeah. father and son is, I don't, I said this when it happened, it felt like, you know, there was a crack in the universe and Mm -hmm. only other people who had lost a parent would understand. Right. Because all of a sudden I felt like you understand and you just have to say your experience. And I go, oh, you get that, you know, and and it's guided. I followed, you know, trying to live up to him and followed into film, which was great. But then I found my own path and I know now that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it still is connected to film. I have like a media wing and, you know, there's things that we're doing in recovery that kind of keeps me in that world. But it's on my terms and, you know, it took a while to grow up Yeah, absolutely. and kind of work through that. And I just did an intensive with Judy and Tom. We Mm -hmm. do these intensives and that was the work. It was about, you know, letter from my son to my father. And that's amazing. uh, Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I don't know if that answers the question. No, of course it does. It's gotten better. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, absolutely. No, of course it does. And you have an amazing mother as well. I'm sure she must be in awe over this new grandchild. Yes, yeah, she moved two blocks away. She bought a house two blocks away and she was coming over every day to, you know, she yeah, bought a second home that's right yeah. around the corner and would walk the dogs and come see the baby. And two weeks ago, she fell off a chair and oh. broke, broke her femur. All of a sudden now we're taking, you know, we're, <laughs> we're looking after her. Yeah. And, uh, but we just had a big gathering with our whole family and celebrated her birthday. And she's just over the moon with having a, having oh, a baby. I know she is. And all the best to her and her recovery. God, that's not fun to break a femur straight through. Oh. And she didn't, you know, it's sort of like a family thing that the fire department was there and they were asking her what her pain level was and she couldn't really say and yeah. they checked her, her blood pressure was 250 i said just let it go just yeah. tell them you're in pain it's okay exactly let them <laughs> give you morphine you you're gonna be all right you need pain meds exactly i love it do you have a daily routine that creates a successful day do you follow a daily routine that really sets your day up for success Yeah. Recently I've been doing editing the routine. So I have a whole team of people. I have a doctor that I check in with every morning. I have to send them, you know, sort of my intake from the day before of protein and fiber and calories and where I'm at. I have a a meditation routine in the morning, which is guided by, you know, my sponsor and he's giving me these. I walk the dogs. I pretty much 99% of the time make breakfast and coffee for my wife. And that's because I, I can't get away with it yep. if I don't. And then, you know, but basically meditating and, and kind of trying to get into the day and plan out the day. This is a particularly stressful week because we have Jayco, you know, he's um, coming to do um, a recertification or yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. all, and which is the end of the certification board and uh, we're, you know, mopping and cleaning. Uh, Everything's beautiful. And, you know, and then. You know, we're my, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, doing some journaling, some, you know, going through the day. It's something that started off years ago with just sort of a a quick meditation and in the morning and at night. And now it's been tweaked to having other people outside of myself 
tell me kind of what to do. And to be able to listen to those people. Yeah. A a sponsor. When I look at it, I'm like, wow, it it takes a lot of people helping me to run my (laughs) my game. You know, Robin Mooney, I think, told me about this doctor that you're working with. And I think I looked him up on Facebook, maybe. You need to text me his information because I'm certainly, I'm super interested in what you're doing with them. And obviously, anything to improve our health and nutrition. And, you know, you've got Audra to help you do that and stay on top of you and watch that you're doing it and that's so cool during covid and having a baby and she was in the hospital for 78 days and we were ordering you know cheesecake factory in the hospital and bringing pizzas to the staff and all this and so we yeah we saw this doctor that basically it's an inflammation inflammation diet and take your blood test and find out what you're allergic to and so for her it was you know, one of the things was vinegar, and and she's been putting vinegar on her salads for years. Yeah, I'm not understanding why. Yeah, why she's not feeling well. So, it's a process, you know. And also, we're trying to tell other people that where we know what a good routine is yep. and what a good way to kind of recover is. I have to do the the best I can to live that as well. Yeah, you know, like hopefully. I can't be, you know, telling somebody I'm not willing something I'm not willing to do myself. Exactly. Yeah. Same here. You know, I think life is just kind of a we're always navigating through the best we can do, right? Both of us. Yeah. And then, you know, we have these busy careers and we have busy families and lives that we go on. But, you know, you're someone that sets the bar in this industry. And I thank you so much for what you do. I appreciate you coming on this show today. Unfortunately, I'm a little bit out of time here, but okay. I just wanted to say you're amazing. I love you and congratulations on all the success, the baby, Audra, Judy, everything. I have to say double to that to you. Thank you for supporting us, supporting me over the last few years and basically changing our life in all sorts of ways and collaboration. And I think the world of you, and I think you're doing the, You're right now. It's wonderful to see that somebody who's at the top of their game in, you know, living excellence Thank and, you. Uh, and seeing that it is so inspiring. Thank so, you so much. Well, likewise. I really, I really, <laughs> you know, it's great to see. It. And as we go along, it kind of, the, that road narrows. There's yeah. all these different programs, you know, oh, yeah. what you're doing is excellence. Thank so, you so much. Two really questions. One, yeah. if someone is looking for a companion, a family out there that's listening to this, uh, wants to talk to you about a companion, how do they reach you guys and, and discuss that? process so our website is pretty simple it's just www.sobercompanions.com perfect uh, sobercompanions with an s.com yeah. and then one of our two Maya or kelly will find you somebody wonderful both <laughs> or, amazing women you know they oversee all the companions yeah. and, and i've actually found that you know when i step out of the way it, it runs a lot better yes me too <laughs> Wow, it's going so much better because I'm not, you know, sticking my nose in where, you know, I'm so used to doing everything, writing every contract and doing everything. And and now it's kind of flowing well with these wonderful women that are running the program. I was in London recently and I was there for, what, seven days, I think. And I came back and I walked in the office and someone literally said, when are you leaving again? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, thanks. Good to see you, too. (laughs) Right. So I've learned just to kind of step back and let everybody, you know, you have good people around us, don't we? Absolutely. But what they don't see is the the hard work that you did to get to that point where they have an office. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, exactly. And with people with those suffering from trauma and addiction, how do they reach Guest House? That is, I can give out that number or that the website is guesthouseocala.com. And we have the, actually the best number if, if you know, people are listening yep. would be Jessica in our admissions line. And her number is 
2780 or 855-483-7800. That's the toll-free number, 855-483-7800. And that's the Guest House Ocala. And we basically, you know, we treat people who are suffering from non, you know, non-substance, anything that's traumatic in your life. Well, we can figure out a way to either, you know, refer, you know, working with your team and, you know, stabilizing, finding out what, I mean, that's what's so wonderful is clients that, you know, can come to you. We've had clients that have been with us and mm-hmm. after a bit of time go to you because they need something different or we're working on a certain area and then they're yeah. they're through that. And now it's time to, you know, work on more of the medical assessment. You and I are both at that phase in our career. Thank goodness that we both collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. You are collaborators with people all over the literally internationally right and if guest house is not the proper place so there's something going on with a patient that you guys can't quite pinpoint you'll either call give me a call or you'll give people around the country a call and people call you guys and i think the collaboration is so important and i appreciate collaborating with you guys every day i'm so grateful for our collaboration i couldn't i can't thank you enough it's just you know i'm very grateful and it's an honor yeah uh, please tell give audra a kiss on the cheek for me and i will and she wants to come see you and hopefully you'll take us to that wonderful mexican restaurant yeah we will do it again yeah <laughs> and if someone needs uh, wants to reach j flowers health institute it's j jflowershealth.com or 713-783-6655. John, I love you. Take a good care. Love you too. Take great care. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you bet. Have a, Have a great day. day. All right, bye. <laughs> Take care. And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you.